be vessels of the Lord and to be witnesses of the Lord and to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us in all things. Every person has a divine destiny for their life. Every one of us do. And our roads can meet or our roads can go elsewhere. We'll meet in heaven one day. But everybody has a destiny. You're not an accident. Everybody say, I'm not an accident. God don't have no accidents. I was talking to a young lady the other day that was born out of wedlock, and I said, you know what? You're not an accident. You're not an accident. It doesn't matter. You're not an accident because, you see, God, before you were ever formed, the Bible said He knew you. Before you were ever formed in the womb, God knew you. So, therefore, nobody's going to be an accident. Praise God. Now, it may not have been under the best circumstances, but you know what? God still has a plan for that spirit that He put in that body. And uh, God is going to do something good in their life. But God had a plan before you, before you were ever born. God created this earth. All that's in this earth was created for a purpose. He created every living thing, trees, plants, animals, fish. Everything was created on purpose. I've never found a purpose for certain things, but there's a purpose for them. I never have found a purpose for skunks. Although my son-in-law the other day wanted me to have my picture made with one. I don't know if he was trying to send me a message. But you know, I just went ahead and obliged him anyhow and got rid of it as quickly as I could. But every living thing, God spoke. The Bible said God spoke and things were created. When God spoke, this earth was created. When God spoke, all of the firmaments took place, all the stars, all the, the moons. Everything was placed there by God's words that He spoke. He said, let there be, there was. There's power in the spoken word of the Lord. The Bible said in Colossians 1.16, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. So, not only was it created through Him, but for Him. He created everything for Him for a purpose. When God put man in this earth, there was a purpose. In fact, God took time for the creation of man. He took a little more time than just speaking it into existence. He took the dust of the earth. The Bible said that He formed man out of the clay of the earth. Every organ, every feature was created with preciseness. God did something good that day. Uh, one little boy was in children's church one day, and they were talking about, uh, you know, us coming from the dust of the earth and how God created us, and we're going to go back to the dust of the earth. If we go by the way of the grave, we'll go back to the dust of the earth. And this little boy raised his hand. He said, Teacher, I don't know whether this person's coming or going, but there's a lot of dust back here. <laughs> Psalmist David said in Psalms 139, he said, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Uh, uh, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And your eyes saw my substance being yet un unformed. And in your book they were all written, and the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God already has all of your days planned out for you. Somebody said, well, I'm going to make my own way. Well, you do that and you'll end up hurting yourself because God's got His way. He's already got a path established for us. 
And, uh, you know, God, God doesn't make no mistakes. Amen? And what He did when He formed this man, He breathed into him. Now, see, all the other animals, they were formed out of the earth. But God did something different with man. He breathed the breath of life into him. Now, that life that He breathed into him was called Zoe life. God's life. God is a spirit. And when the Zoe life came in, He became a living soul. The Bible said, God, you know, the Lord said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Now, we realize that every one of us, you could look around and look at each other, and you could tell that none of us have the same characteristics as other people do. Amen? I mean, because we've got different genes from our parents and our heritage and our ancestors through the years, you know, we've got those different genes. Our DNA is all different. So what did God do when He created the human being? It wasn't that every one of us were going to look alike. But the thing that looks like God is the Spirit. Because God is a Spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so, the real you is on the inside of you. The real person is the spirit of that person. And that real person that's touched by God. Now, see, what happened was when Adam and Eve fell in the garden and they sinned and they rebelled against the thing that God wanted to do, and they were driven out of the garden and, uh, and placed outside the garden because they, God didn't want them to eat of the, of the tree of, uh, of, of, uh, uh, of life because if He did, they'd, they'd be that way forever. God knew, see, God always has a blueprint for things. And so what happened was, when they were outside the garden, God's blueprint got into action. And God began to get the redemptive plan going. For about 2,000 years there, prophetic words were given. And some of the rituals and ceremonies of the tabernacle and all of these things were done uh, in order for the preparation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Savior, who is the sacrifice, the supreme sacrifice. And it's through His blood that we're born again, that we're saved, and we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. There's only one name under heaven whereby man can be saved. That's the name of Jesus. That's the name of Jesus. I remember reading the story of Tommy Osborne, T.L. Osborne, an apostle of faith that God used mightily in the great revival days of the 40s and the great, well, he's still alive today preaching and carrying the gospel. And I had the privilege of hearing him here not one, one Wednesday night, not too long, long ago at Lakewood Church. And he's, I don't know how old he is. He's 86 or 87 years old, but he's still going strong and still got a good positive word. The word of, and, you know, his word is so simple, it's just Jesus. Just the name of Jesus. Tommy Osborne went to India for the first time, and uh, him and his wife Daisy, they were, went over there as missionaries, and they fell flat on their face because they didn't realize that there were thousands and thousands of gods in India, and they didn't know how to cope with that. And they were, they, they were trying to, to deal with something that they weren't prepared for. They came home whipped, went back to Portland, Oregon, where they were from, and they, they were just whipped down like puppy dogs and because they had failed God, they thought. But they ended up going to a crusade meeting, and there was an evangelist there that was getting results. Miracles were taking place. People were getting saved by the numbers. People, alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, people of all walks of life getting born again and changed by the power of God. And what Brother Osborne noticed was it was a very simple thing that this preacher did. He just spoke in the name of Jesus. 
and that name of Jesus transformed lives. And Brother Osborne got a hold of that revelation of the name of Jesus. And he went around the world, actually, but he went to Africa primarily uh, uh, during those years. He became an apostle to Africa. And, I mean, God used him mightily. had some of the mightiest crusades. People were raised from the dead. All kinds of miracles took place at the name of Jesus. And it wasn't something that he had to go shout at the top of his voice. He just learned the power that was in that name. See, it's in the name of Jesus. It's not in how loud you get or how quiet you are. It's just in that name. So sometimes we get angry at the devil and we just shout the name of Jesus, you know, and make sure he's heard us. Amen? Thank God we can learn that name. But the thing that God did is breathe life into us, that Zoe life. Now, man was dead towards God. Isn't that right? Our spirit man was dead towards God. And what happened was all these rituals and ceremonies wasn't bringing new birth but they were just kind of pushing back all the punishment of sins for a while until the true redemption took place. And then, through Jesus, we're born again. What happened is that Zoe life comes back into our dead spirit. That's what Ephesians, the second chapter, talks about. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, but you hath He quickened and made alive unto the Lord again. Because we're made alive unto God through that quickening power of the Holy Spirit, and our, our spirit man is born again. So, God is making our spirits like His Spirit. You're going to love like God loves. You're going to forgive like God forgives. Amen? You're going to have compassion like God has compassion. And as we get that Spirit of God in us, we're going to begin to see the assignment that God has for us. Now, we're positioned for the assignment and destiny that God has for our life. Now, I, want to, I want to just list nine important facts about your assignment. Then I'm going to get into something else uh, concerning this. But there's nine important facts I want you to see here. Number one is everything created contains an instruction, an assignment to solve, uh, an assignment and to solve a specific problem. Everything created contains an assignment or an instruction. Every one of us have an instruction from the Lord. Some of us haven't discovered it yet, but we're going to find it. Amen. And your assignment is not decided by you, it's discovered by you. Doesn't that take a lot of pressure off of you? I mean, some of us think, man, i got to preach like Pastor Phil. No. Preach like Brother Clarence. No. I remember growing up, you know, and I, as we got into the ministry and started preaching, and, I, I, you know, my dad was a... He was a uh, a shouter and a kicker and and uh, I mean you know he he was just one of those hallelujah thank you Jesus and and got loud and excited and kicked his leg when he preached and you know everything and when I first started the first revival I ever preached I thought I had to do the same thing and uh, so I said well, I, I know what I got to do so I got over here on the right side and I left all my notes and stuff over here and I just went out and kicked my leg up as high as I could and said Jesus you know or whatever. And I forgot where I, where I was. I didn't even know what I was preaching about. And I, that didn't work. So I thought maybe I need to do it on the left side. I wouldn't do it on the left side, you know. And that didn't work. I still forgot where I was. I was focusing on kicking. <laughs> then I realized one day, hey, I'm me. I may, I may be my dad's son, but I'm me. I did learn a whole lot about following the Spirit and being led by the Spirit and, and operating in certain things that God wants us to operate in. But I had my own style, 
and I had my own way of doing things because God had us assigned for it. Amen? And what we've got to do is find that. Now, we, we discover our calling. Sometimes some of you think you're, you're uh, called to do something, and you may not even be called to do that. Or some people may be in positions today that they hate and they despise and they don't want to do it. They don't like doing it. But you know what? You're learning while you're there, but that may not be the specific call or the specific assignment that God has for you. What we do, we just do what is necessary until God lets you discover that call of God. Remember Moses? He was born. All the little babies, boys were being killed by the Pharaoh. And the mother had an idea. She made a little ark, put him in the little ark of bulrushes. And Miriam, his sister, stood over by the side and watched over him. They didn't just put him out there to go out there and you know, make it on his own. They were watching because they knew that's where Pharaoh's daughter came and, and bathed and did things. And so they, they, they knew that she would find the baby, hoping that she would have enough compassion to take that baby home. And you know what? She did. Took it home. And Miriam come out of the, out of the, out of the bushes there and said, Hey, hey, you're going to need a nursemaid, right? They said, yeah, I know just the woman. It was her mother, of course. And so her mo- the, Moses' mother went into Egypt with him and raised him. Now, see, sometimes we get in a position, we think, dear me, what, what am I doing here? Well, the Holy Ghost is with you. The Spirit of the Lord is with you. Your nursemaid is with you. Praise God. And uh, it, she raised him up, put it in his ear every day. You're special. You're special. You're special. You're special. I know when Stacy was born, my wife told me, she said, look, if you can't smile when in the mornings when you come in and look at her, you just don't get up and come in there. Every morning, she, we smile at her, and she was a happy baby, always happy. And we always told her she was special. You're special. God gave you to us. We asked God for you. God gave you to us. You're special. You can do anything. And she grew up, got into school. You can do anything you want to do. My wife even put into her, she could be president of the United States if she wanted to. She'd come in one day crying. She said, why are you crying? She said, all these little kids out here that I'm playing with, they don't believe I can be president of the United States. Now you tell them, Mama, what you said. (laughs) You know, kids believe anything. But she can if she wants to. Amen? But we have to discover the call that God has for us. And Moses grew up knowing his calling, knowing his destiny was to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt and to get them out of there. But he tried to do it in his own power one day, ended up killing one of the Egyptian soldiers, burying him in the sand, thinking he could cover it up that way. But somebody saw him do it, and they started talking about it. And Moses got scared, and he fled for his life, ended up on the backside of the desert, and there he ended up tending to some sheep. And, but one day, I don't know how long he was out there, but one day, well, he was out there 40 years. <laughs> 40 years in Egypt and 40 years out in the desert. That's a long time, isn't it? I mean, he's probably thinking, I've, I flubbed it. I messed it up. I, I messed up the thing that God wanted me to do. But you know what? God's got a way of correcting things. 
And one day, see, he knew that he was destined for something, but then finally, when he saw the burning bush and it wasn't consumed and God told him to come forward and God began to speak to him, he discovered the call of God. And the next 40 years were spent fulfilling the call of God and doing what God called him to do. So we, you may not have discovered exactly what God's called you to do yet. Amen. One time I thought I was just going to be a youth pastor the rest of my life. I was just going to, we'd, we was having youth, youth rallies and youth conferences and, and was just going to town. And God was blessing. God was moving. And, and uh, I thought, well, that's just what I'll do the rest of my life. But then God had some other plans. And so we discover the call of God and discover what God wants us to do. God changed our whole lifestyle. God changed our whole plan. He put me in with a little Baptist preacher, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and had a little church down called the feed store down in Houston, Texas, called Lakewood Church, you know, and John Osteen. And God put us in there with him, and God changed us and revolutionized our life. And, I mean, we just got different and changed. My daddy thought I'd done went Baptist on him. There's nothing wrong with Baptists. Amen? There's nothing wrong with Methodists. There's nothing wrong with Lutherans. Y'all still here? There's nothing wrong with non-denominational Pentecostals. We need to realize we still have one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen? And that's through Him. And, uh, but, you know, God changed our life, and we begin to discover the call of God that God had for us, and God began to show us exactly what He wanted us to do. Now, Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. For the Lord said, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go out to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, and you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. See, your instructions... uh, They may be unknown, ignored, or distorted, but they do exist. God's instructions for you are there. Amen? God has a plan. Have you ever seen a watermelon and the seed that's in that watermelon? Or seen a watermelon seed? Or cantaloupe seed? Or whatever, you know. There's a lot of seeds in there. But one seed, it's impossible, even with a microscope, to see a written, clearly defined instruction on that seed and see what it says to produce more watermelon. But God has a specific instruction for that watermelon seed, produce more watermelons. And you know what? That seed's put in the ground and more watermelons are produced because of the seed. It's an instruction from God. And every one of us have implanted on our spirit, man, when we're born, when we enter this life, God has an instruction imprinted on you, in your spirit, that you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and one day you're going to discover what that imprint says, and you're going to begin to fulfill it and see the production that God wants you to do. Amen? Within everything created uh, is a desire and command to increase, produce, and multiply. God wants us to increase. How many likes to increase? And multiply. Something within you wants to solve a problem. For someone, somewhere, sometime, that's your assignment. You know, listen, you're going to usually find your calling when you've got a compassion for something special. God, God, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the program on television that uh, America's Most Wanted, uh, 
um, I can't think of the guy's name now, but his son was kidnapped. And uh, they found him dead after so many months or whatever the deal was. But, but you know what happened? That turned that man's life around. And he had a passion to help other parents that had the same situation. And it went, it went nationwide. It may be even worldwide now. But God used that to show him what his true passion was. We had an accident there in Houston, not far from where we live on the interstate highway there. And it was during spring break one year. And I happened to be on the feeder road or the service road getting ready to get up on the interstate. And all of a sudden, I saw this big explosion. I was about four cars from getting up on the interstate. Big explosion. And uh, we, were set, we were stuck there. I was stuck there for seven hours that day on the feeder road. We finally, got, we finally got police there to turn us around and take us back the opposite direction on the service road. But what happened was two young girls, Christian girls, we don't understand these things, but they were in their car going towards Galveston, Texas, to go for a spring break just to enjoy themselves, and a, a tanker truck on the other side coming north on uh, the interstate somehow or other lost control, and it flipped over onto the other side, landed on top of their car, and just burned it to a crisp and crushed it and, and killed them instantly, of course. Now, that was a big thing back in, in there. I mean, it was one of the largest funerals I'd ever seen. Two Christian girls. Uh, but you know what happened? The dad of one of those girls was a CEO of a company. You know what happened? He wasn't too active in church. He wasn't real active in doing, you know, spiritual things. He was more active in trying to make a living and to make things happen. And he resigned his position and got in church and now is the first associate pastor of one of the largest churches in our area. And he is serving God, working with youth and young people, him and his wife, in helping promote them and, and to bless them because of the passion and the compassion that God gave him. He finally found his instruction. Amen? Now, somebody said, do you mean God did that to show him the instruction? No, the devil took him. But see, God, what happened was, in that tragedy, his passion and his compassion, it began to surface and he began to see what his true passion was. And he saw where he had failed as a father and as a husband in taking up all the time with the job and all of that trying to make a living rather than to be what he should have been, the leader and the one to lead and guide those children. Something inside you wants to help somebody. Amen? Your assignment is something you alone must discern and discover while you're on earth. Don't wait till you get to heaven. <laughs> We're of no earthly good then. Amen? That's why your relationship with the Lord is necessary. It's a necessity. You've got to have a relationship with God. Is that me? I'm sorry. Amen. But you've got to have a relationship. Everybody say, I've got a relationship with the Lord. You know, now listen, I'm not talking about just coming to church once a week. I'm not talking about just coming in occasionally. I'm not talking about just making a, an appearance. Say, God, hey, hi, how are you doing? But no, I'm talking about a relationship where it's seven days a week. 
Spend time with the Lord. Spend time in the presence of God. Spend time in His Word. Spend time talking to Him. Spend time learning about Him. Spend time finding out what the instructions in the Word of God for us to, to make us grow and be what God's called us to be. Amen? God made us. Now, your assignment is God's total focus. Number four, God carefully examines every word you speak daily. Every word you speak is examined by the Lord. David said in Psalms 139.4, For there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. God knows. In fact, God knows it before you ever speak it. The Holy Spirit who created you, He decides your assignment. He keeps His hand upon your life. The Bible said in Psalms 139.5, You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. In other words, God's got His protection around you. I, I Listen... I, the only person that can not make your assignment fulfilled is the person sitting in that chair this morning. That's the only one. God's going to do everything in His power to make it happen, but we have to yield to the Lord. We have to yield to the Holy Spirit in order for it to happen. Now, you remember Philip? An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Rise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, that, that is a desert. And what he did, you know, the Lord spoke to him to go down that way and he, I mean, there was nothing out there. I mean, you know, this was an assignment from the Lord. But here come a eunuch coming in on his chariot, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And Philip took a ride with him. He said, what are you reading? He said, something about the prophet Isaiah. And he said, let me see. He said, but I don't understand it. He, he said, let me see. And he began to explain what the prophet was saying about the Messiah and about Jesus and what he did for us. That eunuch got saved. Saw some water and said, what hinders me from being baptized right now? So he baptized him. Then the next thing you know, Philip is whisked away by the Spirit. I mean, he was translated. Now, isn't that exciting? I mean, some of you, your enthusiasm is just overwhelming me this morning. He was translated. God has a specific plan. Amen? The Holy Spirit your constant advisor. Uh, it's your responsibility to identify what God wants you to do. You have to identify it. Don't expect others to, to define your assignment for you. Amen? You, always, you, know, you, somebody, you know, there's some people that can do anything if somebody tells them what to do. But it's a whole lot more exciting when you find out what God wants you to do and you fulfill the will of God. And you do it out of obedience unto the Lord and joy. Praise God. The Word of God is your blueprint for your assignment and must become your daily focus. Now, there's this. Now we can learn what God wants us to do, but if you don't have the Spirit of God upon you and working in you, what we call and define as the anointing of God, then you're not going to get too far. The anointing of God is the power of God. That's the power source. It's provided uh, to us to remove a burden or destroy a yoke of bondage existing on another person. Uh, Isaiah 10, 27, it shall come to pass that uh, the burden shall be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from off your neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. We have an anointing in our life. Did you know there's something about the anointing of God? If your children get rebellious, that anointing in you can help set them free. Hallelujah. 
There's something about it. Smith Wigglesworth went to a house one time, and uh, he, he stayed in this house and was preaching in, in a particular area there in England. And uh, the lady's husband wasn't saved, and he, he, he was an alcoholic and a drunkard, and he worked, and he'd come in, and, and uh, you know, a, a kind of verbally abusive and probably physically abusive at times. And, and when Smith Wigglesworth was leaving that day, he told the lady, he said, Now look, I know this is an unusual request, but don't change the sheets. See, he had slept in, those bed, in that bed. How many believe there's transference of power? Paul had aprons sent out from his body and sick were healed. So there's a transference of power that's there. Transference of anointing. You can also get a transference of the wrong anointing. From evil things if you're not careful. But that's why I don't let just anybody lay hands upon me. I was in a service one night and this, quote, prophetess, Came in. I was preaching that night, and after the service, she decided she's going to kind of do her thing. And she turned to me and she said, You've got uh, this problem in your body. I said, No, ma'am. Because I didn't. And I wasn't going to receive it. There were no symptoms there. Now, if there had been symptoms there, that'd been a different. But I didn't have no symptoms, didn't have no. I said, No, ma'am. I said, That's not right. I said, you got me mixed up with somebody else. Everybody say, I'm going to get the anointing. Your assignment requires an anointing. There's specific anointings. A leadership anointing enables you to love. Everybody wants to be in leadership. I'm going to be the boss. But you know, in order to be a leader, you've got to learn how to love. You gotta learn to love the unlovely. Not everybody's lovely. Amen. There's some that's more lovely than others, but there's some that's not lovely at all, but you gotta learn to love them too. And be lovable. An administrative anointing, not everybody can be an administrator. But an administrative anointing produces order. They keep things ticking. They keep things going. They keep things in order. Sometimes people don't like those kind of administrative stuff. But I'll tell you what, they keep, it, they keep everything in order. It's an anointing. A healing anointing releases health. A psalmist anointing unlocks the worship. You know, you can sing, but then there's worship. You've got to be able to unlock the worship. That anointing brings people into the presence of God. And once they get in the presence of the Lord, things happen. God moves. A teaching anointing illuminates. A teaching anointing flips on the light switch. When you're teaching and ministering the Word of God in an area, and you say something or teach something or God shows you something, reveals something to you, you can see that somebody's eyes light up. The light clicks on in the inside. You wonder if they ever had a light sometimes. I preached something for two months at my church. My, and one of my men there, he sat on the front row every, every service. And, and at the end of... Uh, at the end of the service, I saw I, I was teaching and preaching. I'd been doing it for two months on the same subject, and all of a sudden, 
his eyes light up. And I know that he just, he's got it. He's got it. He comes to me after the service. He said, Brother Clarence, I finally see it. I said, praise God. Praise the Lord. I've been preaching on it two months. Amen. A prophetic anointing reveals the will of God. Sometimes the prophetic anointing comes. Now, you know what? When, when a prophetic word and a prophetic anointing happens, it's not necessarily God speaking something uh, that you don't know about. A lot of times it's going to, it's going to reveal and, and confirm what God's speaking to you about. Although there are times that a prophetic word or a prophet of the Lord can speak, you may not know a thing that he's talking about. I was talking to Papa Ron Smith on the phone one day, on my cell phone, and and uh, we were talking, and and uh, we, we like to laugh and talk and talk about the Astros and our good old baseball team in Houston, you know, and and we were just talking, and then all of a sudden I could tell when the anointing comes on him. He said, "Brother C," he said, the "Spirit of God just came on me." He said, "Have you ever been to Sheffield, England?" I said, "No, sir." He said, "You know where Sheffield is?" I said, "I think so." I've never been there, but I know basically where it is. He said, well, you're going there. God's going to open the door there, and you're going to preach there, and God's going to do miracles, and it's going to propel your ministry even further in England. I said, okay. Praise the Lord. I went to a family reunion two months later, and we have, I don't know how many preachers in our family, but we had probably 150 people there at the reunion. We had a big gathering place and we had we got up there and got to singing praises to the Lord and worshiping the Lord and, and all those sinner ones you know they got out of there my brother and my uncle said I didn't know this was going to be a church meeting that's okay they finally come around praise the Lord but after, after we were talking I was talking to my cousin one of my cousins there and he said he said, Clarence, you remember so-and-so? And this guy used to be in Big Spring when you were there at the Assembly of God Church. I uh, can't think of his name now, but uh, yeah, he, he was there. I said, yeah, I remember him. He said, well, he, he heard you were going to England. I said, yeah. He said, he lives in England now. I said, really? Yeah, he's pastoring a church there. I said, really? I said, where is he? He said, Sheffield, England. He wants you to call him immediately when you're coming over so he can schedule a revival with you. I said, okay. So I called him. We scheduled We had five days meeting with him at his church. And you know what happened in those five days? God healed five people of cancer. Plus some other things that happened. Two years later, he calls me. I'm here in the States, and he calls me from England. He says, Brother Clarence, he said, I know that a lot of times pastors don't call you after you've been in a meeting and things happen. He said, I just want you to know those five people, they have a clean bill of health. They're still healed. No symptoms. Still going forward in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's good. But see, that's that prophetic anointing from a ministry coming. You just have to receive what God has. But see, the tragedy in the body of Christ, many never walk in joy and don't sense the pleasure of achievement because they've never recognized the anointing God's placed on their own life. You know, we've got to recognize the anointing God's placed on our life. You know what? I enjoy preaching. I do. This isn't bad. For somebody that was so bashful they couldn't even talk. I'd turn red if somebody came up and said, Hey, Brother Clarence. I'd just turn real red, you know, just wouldn't say a word. Stay home on book report day, you know? Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
teacher asked me one time, she asked me a question in English class, and English was one of my favorite subjects even in high school. And, and she said, uh, she, said uh, she asked me a question one day on something, and I knew the answer, but I just sat there petrified. She never asked me another question for the two years I had her. But I passed. I went to her 100th birthday party at one of our reunions for our, for our, gradu, for our graduating class, and they had to celebrate her 100th birthday. They brought her in a limousine from the rest home she was in, and she still looked just like she did. She still looked old to me. I mean, she hadn't changed a bit. But she did. She hadn't changed at all. And I, she was sitting there in the chair, and people were going up to her, and I went up to her, and I said, Miss Legg, I said, you probably don't remember me, do you? She said, yes, I do. You're Clarence Richard Dalrymple. And you used to sit in the sixth desk over by the window. And she said, I asked you a question one day in your junior year of high school, and you didn't answer it. She said, I knew you knew the answer. And she said, but I passed you anyway. And I knew you knew the stuff in your senior year, but I never asked you a question because I didn't want to embarrass you, but I knew you knew it, so I passed you anyhow. I said, thank you. (laughs) We need to discover what God wants us to do. If you discover what God wants you to do, you're going to have joy. There's joy in serving the Lord. There's joy in serving and doing what God calls you to do. Praise God. Brother Brian, God must call preachers that like to talk a lot or something. I don't know. Because I must have had a want to talk a lot, but I didn't talk a lot back then. But now I talk too much. No amens there. Praise God. My first sermon I ever preached. I was going to preach a subject on the subject of slaying the giant. I had a good 20-minute sermon for my youth group at the church where I was attending, my dad's church, and and only had 15 kids out there. And all of them were my my protégés, my compadres. We went out and did things and enjoyed, you know, uh, youth rallies and all this together. And and my first sermon was was for them, and I had a good 20-minute sermon on slaying the giant. I had it down. I got up there and looked at those 15 kids looking at me. They were just sitting there staring at me. I got petrified. I read my scripture there in Samuel where David slew the giant, took the five smooth stones, slew the giant. I just read that scripture, and I said, You can slay any giant in the name of Jesus and sit down. Shortest sermon you ever heard. I won't tell you about the longest sermon I've ever done. But that was in uh, Nigeria at a Bible college. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, those people were so hungry. Those students were so hungry. They were just so hungry for the Word of God. And before I realized it, I had went three and a half hours teaching and preaching. Now, don't y'all get nervous. I've learned... But, Joe, when you're hungry, you just want it. Amen? We didn't even think about lunch. Many people never receive miracles or blessings because they don't respect and celebrate the difference of the anointing God's placed on those near them either. They don't discern how God desires to use others to bless us. We need to respect the anointing. In fact, 
Did you know one of the things that we need to understand, the anointing you respect is the anointing you're going to receive. I was telling Brother Chuck Weimer the other night, I said, you know, when I first got in the ministry, I got under Brother Osteen. Uh, well, part of the first part of my ministry, it was uh, that wasn't the very first part of it, but, I, but that's where God really accelerated us and done some things. And Brother Osteen had, a, had an anointing on his life as far as finances. And he believed God that be debt-free. Debt-free. Just live debt-free. Everything they did, they built buildings. They built their big building that seated 8,800 people, and they paid for it cash. Praise God. I mean, God, that's the way he just operated, just debt-free. That anointing was on him. First church I pastored. We had 12 people. Six of them left the next week. I always tell people I'll make half of you happy when I get here and the rest of you happy when I leave, you know. But the very first Sunday we preached in this church, Brother J.W. May, Phil knows him, met him. And he came in that night and I had him to dismiss us in prayer. And while he was dismissing us in prayer, he said, Father, I just want to thank you that this building is paid off for Brother Clarence. It's paid off immediately. I said, well, that's a strange prayer for dismissal. There was a couple that came in that night. They came up to me after the service. They said, where do you bank? And I told them. They said, meet us there at 9 o'clock in the morning. We're going to pay the building off for you. The first Sunday, we were debt-free. And we stayed debt-free the whole time. Praise God. Amen. God, God enabled us to build a building that seated about 650 people, and, and we paid cash for it. Praise God. The Lord just blessed. It came in. Got in, a, in a year and a half, God brought in close to almost $500,000 in a year and a half to pay that building off and to build it for the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. But you know what? I, I, I contribute that to the fact I respected an anointing in a man of God, and because I respected that anointing, I could receive that anointing. I was telling Brother Chuck that the other night. I told him, I said, I had Brother, Brother Phil just rub, rub my arm a little bit so he could get that anointing transferred to him, you know. And uh, Brother Chuck said, he came over there to me after I got done and sat down. He started rubbing on my shoulders and my coat. He said, he said I'm going to rub all over, Brother Clarence. He said, I, I'm, I need that anointing. Praise God. Well, listen, we can have it. How many believes that? We can have it. If you, the anointing you respect is what you're going to receive. If you see someone that's moving in the gifts of the Spirit and you respect that anointing, guess what? It won't be long you'll start moving in the gifts. You see somebody praying for the sick and seeing miracles happen, it won't be long before you start laying hands on people and seeing things happen. Because you're respecting that anointing that God has. Now, you always possess something that God wants to anoint. Moses had a rod. David had a slingshot. Doesn't take much. Just, just whatever you got, you give it to the Lord, God will anoint it. I had a lady in my church, bless her, it's a beautiful young lady, her and her husband. And uh, <laughs> she came to me one day and said, Brother Clarence, God's called me to sing. I said, well, praise God, Kathy, that's good. I said, why don't you get us a song for next Sunday? She said, okay. Well, ne- that week I came into the office and I, I-, I come into the door and I heard the most awful sound coming from inside the auditorium. 
I looked through the windows. Remember those windows? And Kathy was up there singing. Well, she was up there doing something. She wasn't singing. I went to my office. I said, Dear Jesus, what have I done? I should have had her audition first. I was stuck. I couldn't. St- I had to leave the office. I couldn't stand it. She stayed there for three hours practicing. Over and over and over and over. Off key. Nothing worse than hearing somebody sing off key. Unless it's somebody getting paid a lot of money to sing off key. Some of these guys, they sing off key to get paid a lot of money. Anyway, Sunday came. I thought, well, maybe, just maybe, Sister So-and-So will get excited today. And we'll have one of those services where we don't have to have no singing or nothing. We don't have time. That was the deadest service you ever saw that morning. Everything just went precisely so-so. Come time for Kathy. Here she come. I mean, she was dressed. She was a beautiful lady anyway, but just dressed. I mean, just beaming and smiling, ready to do her thing. I'm sitting there cringing. They start the soundtrack. She opens her mouth, and there was no improvement from Monday till Sunday. It was the worst thing I ever heard in my life. I'm telling you the truth. And then she put me on the spot. Brother Clarence, how did I do? Now, what are you going to do? Say, you sounded terrible. I said, Kathy, I'm sure you were a blessing to somebody today. You've got to learn a little diplomacy every once in a while. About two weeks went by, and I come to the church office, and I went. I heard this... Music. And I looked in the window. And it was Kathy up there singing. And I said, she's just, what do you call it, lip syncing. That's what she's doing. And it sounded good. And when she saw me at the door, the music kept going, but the voice stopped. So she wasn't lip syncing, she was singing. And she come back there, and she was just crying and just carrying on. And I said, I said, Kathy, this is great. She said, Brother Clarence, you lied to me last Sunday or a couple of weeks ago. I said, I did. She said, you told me I did good. I said, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't say you did good. I said you were a blessing to somebody, I'm sure. She was crying. She said, well, you know. She said, I know it was the most awful sound there was. I said, yeah. She said, I said, but what happened? She said, well, she said, I knew that God wanted me to sing. See, she had other friends that were singers and sang, and and she wanted to do that. that, She was respecting their anointing and wanted that anointing on her too. And she said, I told the Lord. I said, Lord, if you want me to sing, you're going to have to give me the ability and the voice to sing. And you know what? God did. And she sang for us, became one of our regular soloists, and sang. 
her and her husband went up into uh, somewhere up the Midwest and became youth pastors at a church. And then they began to pastor a church, went on for the Lord, did some great things for God. But you know what? Listen, God, just because you can't do it now don't mean you won't be able to do it later. Amen? Now, Brother Phil's going to come up here one day, and everybody's going to be in here practicing. And he's going to say, kill it before it multiplies, you know. <laughs> everybody's got something God can anoint. You can do something. Amen? Everybody here has a special place in this body. If you're part of Reigning Love Church this morning, this is your home church, God has a place He wants to anoint you for. God has a gifting that He wants to you for you to discover that's in you. You'll be surprised at what God has. You'll be surprised. My, my sister came to me when I was pastoring in Conroe. She said, I want to play the organ. I said, you do? She didn't know how to play. My mother bought her a piano when she was young. And she never even got on the piano. I got on the piano. And I learned a few things, you know. And it paid off one day. I know a little bit. I don't know a whole lot, but I know a little bit. But, you know, I said, you want to play the organ? She said, yeah. So she got in there and she got to practicing. You know what? She became a pretty good organist. She prayed for God to anoint her. And God anointed it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I tell you, God can do anything. Turn to somebody and say, God can do anything even with you. <laughs> the anointing in your life increases proportionate to your dependence on God. You've got to depend on the Lord. Amen? The anointing turns these ordinary things into extraordinary weapons. The increase of anointing will increase order in your life. The Bible said, let all things be done decently and in order. For God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So it'll, it'll increase order. When you get the anointing of God for one, there will be order with it. Amen? Listen. Is this, is this all right this morning? We had a little lady come to our church. They'd been kicked out of every church in town. The Women's Aglow president came to me. She was going to our church. She said, Brother Clarence, would you please tell her to go to another church? I said, no. Would you please tell her not to come to Women's Aglow? I said, no, I'm not over Women's Aglow. I'm just an advisor. <laughs> I said, you don't, want her not, you don't want her there, you tell her. <laughs> what it was, she was, she was a little active. She, she, God used her. She had a gift. And God used her. But I'd already heard about that gift. I wasn't going to have that operate in my church like that. I didn't made up my mind. It's going to be done decently and in order. I heard about her coming up and giving a message in tongues, and then the preacher interpreting, and they get to talking back and forth, you know. I said, hmm. She came the first time to the church, and I seen her get up. She got doing her little dance. Her eyes wide open. She come up to me and see. I wasn't gonna. I would. I wasn't gonna acknowledge her, you know. But I couldn't help it. She was up front. And she gave her message in tongues, and God gave me the interpretation just like that. 
I thought it was over with. Then she gave us some more. We started talking back to each other. The very thing that I said wasn't going to happen, it happened. But God did use her. She was a very special lady. But you know what we had to do? We had to instruct her. We had to show her, we had to show her how to bring that gift under control and let God use her. I'll never forget one night I was ministering and I was I was going to I was praying for some people and ministering to them and she said she waved her hand at me brother 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 I got something from God I got something from God for this brother for this brother is Pastor Sanders I said just hold on to it it'll it'll be there if it's God it'll it'll be there in five minutes <laughs> she she waved her hand again I said just hang on just hang on <laughs> I was trying to teach her a lesson you know. Just hang on. And before, when it was over with, I said, okay, Brother Henry, come up here. Okay, I said, Sister Latham, come on up here. I mean, she got up there, and the power of God hit that preacher. And I mean, it knocked him from one side down to the other side. Listen, when God's in something, it's there. But she learned to harness the gift. She learned to harness it and let God use it when it was necessary. Amen? The anointing is determined by the will of God, not your perfection. Isn't that good? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect in anything. The anointing will take care of that. It will make up the difference. Your respect for the anointing will create access to it. Elijah went down to the widow woman during the time of famine. And because she latched on to his anointing, they all survived during the famine. Because she obeyed God, was obedient to the Lord, and respected the anointing in Elijah. David respected the anointing of Saul and received the kingship. Joshua respected the anointing on Moses, and he received his inheritance. But you know, what's sad is there's a whole lot of people today that, as you read the Word, there's some people that never accomplish what God's called them to do. They don't do and fulfill that assignment or that anointing that's in their life because they allow flesh to get in the way. There's a whole lot of undone assignments. Amen? You know, Nicky Cruz had an assignment for him before he ever got saved. Dave Wilkerson, a preacher of a small church in Pennsylvania, saw Nicky Cruz and his gang on trial in New York City, and compassion went from his heart to them. He told his wife, I've got to go to New York City. He went and sat in the, uh, in the uh, trial proceedings all that time, and he became passionate and compassionate for, for those gang members on the streets. In fact, Nicky Cruz, his gang, met him on the street one night and said, you know, Look at you. You got those good shoes on. You got this, this. He said, You like these shoes? He said, Yeah. Dave Wilkerson just reached down and took his shoes off and handed them to him and walked away barefoot. But what happened is Nicky Cruz got saved. He got born again. Nicky Cruz has got one of the biggest evangelistic ministries in America today amongst gang members and in the inner cities and all the big cities of the nation. God's using him in a great way. But God had his hand on him before it ever happened. D.L. Moody was a shoe salesman in Chicago, selling shoes. Didn't even believe in God hardly. Wasn't doing nothing. But one day, somebody witnessed to him 
at the shoe store, witnessed to him about Jesus, and he got saved and born again, and D.L. Moody became one of the greatest evangelists that's renowned throughout the world as one of the greatest gospel preachers and evangelists in the world. God had his hand on him. But then there's some that didn't fulfill the assignment. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, who allowed greed to take over. One day the woman came that, uh, uh, that you know, that the Lord had done something for, and, and Gehazi went out, with, went out there to meet her, and he told, you know, she wanted to bring a gift to the prophet. And Elisha said no. He went out there and told her. He said, well, he said, you can go ahead and give it to me. And he took, the, he took the gift. Elisha, when he came back in the house, Elisha said, My spirit went with you when you was out there. My spirit was with you when you sinned. Y'all, y'all hearing this this morning? If you do anything wrong, the Spirit of God is on your trail. <laughs> I said, The Holy Ghost is on your trail. You're not going to get by with a lot of things. Because God is making sure you're going to do what He said to do. Amen? But Gehazi lost out. He could have been a great prophet of God like Elisha was to Elijah, but he didn't fulfill that purpose because he gave up. King Saul was anointed to be king over Israel. You know what happened? The Bible said when the anointing came on him, he became a different person. He was a different man. He did the things of the Lord. But one day, bitterness got in his heart, jealousy got in his heart, envy got in his heart, and it began to destroy him inside. Spiritually, he was destroyed. And one day, the kingdom was taken from him and handed over to David because Saul refused to follow the Lord. Now, he was anointed, but he refused to obey. and He refused to do it. Judas, we talked about this in the men's meeting yesterday. He was sitting at the communion table with the Lord taking the Lord's Supper. And while he was taking the Lord's Supper, you see, he had defilement in him. He had sin in him. He already had, see, he already had an impure motive to, to, to betray the Lord. And what happened when he took communion unworthily, the Bible said, this is what the Scripture says, the devil entered into Judas. And you know the story. Judas betrayed the Lord. He went out and wept bitterly after he took the money from the uh, deals. He realized it was wrong after it was over with. But he wept bitterly but couldn't find repentance, hung himself, and his body fell into the ravine, burst open down in the bottom. Vultures ate him. But you see, the thing is, because he did not obey the Lord. You know what God's telling us this morning? We all have a place. We all have something to do. I don't want to... I don't want somebody to read about Clarence Dalrymple one day and said, you know, he could have been great. I want somebody to read and said he did the will of God. I'm not saying we've always hit the will of God every time. How many understand? Sometimes you can miss the mark. Sometimes you can miss it big. But you see, if you've got a heart towards God like David, David missed it big. How many knows David missed it big one day? But he had a heart towards God. He had a heart after God. And because he repented, in, in Psalm 51, the repentant prayer of David is there. He, he said, I have sinned against you, O Lord. I've sinned. We've got to begin to call sin, sin, and tell it what it is, and say, I've sinned, and get this thing right so God can bring the blessings. He said, just don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Take the kingdom, whatever you want to do. I don't want to lose the Holy Spirit. I don't want to lose the presence of the Lord. Amen? Listen, God's calling us. 
God's calling us and God's speaking to us. Somebody here, God has a special plan, and God wants you to fulfill that plan, that anointing. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Father, we thank you. We praise you for the Word of God. We thank you that your Word is pure. It's anointed. Father, it does the job that it's supposed to do. Lord, this Word has not went on deaf ears today, but those that needed to hear and receive, there's change coming in their life. Lord, things are happening, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the anointing that's up on the Word is already producing change in their heart, producing change in their lives. And we thank you, Father, that as they let that change happen, that they're going to discover the call, they're going to discover that assignment that you have for them, and they're going to be able to fulfill that assignment in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, we ask that if there be anybody here today that has failed you, that has strayed from the call or strayed from you. And the true calling is to be a child of God first. And, Father, if there's anybody that's strayed from that, that the Holy Spirit will draw them back into the presence of the Lord today. We're asking this in the name of Jesus. I want every head bowed for just a moment. I just want to ask you a question. If Jesus was to come right now, where would you spend eternity? If the trump of God was to sound now and the church be taken out, would you be one that's left behind? What the Lord wants you to do this morning is just realize that His hand is upon you. You're not here by accident. You're not an accident. You're here for purpose. God has a divine purpose for you. And you know, some of you may be learning some things here. And I know the church is a training center. And there's people that will learn, and as they grow in the things of the Lord, one day God may accelerate you and move you into a new dimension of ministry and to where you're doing something, even things that you wouldn't think you would be doing. God is going to elevate you to that place. But you know what? We're here right now. I told the senior class in Columbia, South America, I said, you know, one, one young man said, well, how will I know I'm in the will of God? I said, because you, you, every day you get up in the morning and you get in the presence of God, and you start walking with the Lord that day, you're in the will of God. You're in the will of God. You're in the will of God this morning because you're here. This is the will of God for you right now. I walk in the will of God. Every day I get up, I walk in the will of God. I live in the will of God. That's my home. I want to live in the will of God. And today, God's dealing with some of us. And I I just want to ask you a question. Nobody's looking right now. I just want to ask you a question. If you need... Jesus in your life as Lord and Savior. There's only one name under heaven whereby you can be saved. That's the name of Jesus. We have to accept the blood that Jesus shed for us that cleanses us. We're born again. We're made new creatures in Christ. Old things become, old things are passed away and all things become new because the Lord is moving in our hearts and lives. I just want to ask you this morning if there's anybody here that could say, I'm not a Christian. I'm not born again. But I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. You're not joining Rain in Love Church. You're becoming part of the kingdom of God. Now, if, you, if you're in the area, you need to come to a church, and this would be the best place to come to get trained and, and, and raised up in the thing that God's called you to do. But we're not joining a church. We're joining the kingdom of God. We're coming into the family of God. And if you're here this morning, I, nobody's looking. I don't know if you would slip up your hand and just put it right back down. Anybody here that you say, I'm not sure whether I'm saved or not. I want to be born again. I want to be a believer. Anybody? There's one. Anybody else? Anyone else? There's another one. 
Praise God. Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise God. There's another one. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask these to come forward if they would. You know, you need to make a step of a bold step here and confess Jesus. Confess Jesus to in front of the king in front of the the body of Christ here and confess it before men. He'll confess you before the Father. Amen. Those that raise your hand, would you come up here and just meet me right up here? Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on over here. Amen. You just came up with her. I know that. (laughs) What's your name? Natalie? Amen. Have you ever been in church or been saved? Been born again? Okay. Well, that's going to change today. All right. Amen. Just as just as quickly as you say, that's, that's when the Lord comes in. And He begins to work with you and to help you. Amen. Amen. What's your name? Dave? You ever been saved or been born again? Or been in church? Never never been never accepted the Lord. Amen. But today you are. Amen. Amen. What 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 background are you? Not really, no background. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Praise God. Amen. Well, Dave and Natalie, this is your day. Praise God. This is your day. I want you to just put up both hands to the Lord. This is just kind of a type of surrender to the Lord. You know, say, Lord, I'm surrendering. I give up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Amen. Now I want you just to repeat this after me. Say, Father, I thank you that you love me that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I receive that. I accept the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all sin. Thank you that that blood cleanses me. There's power in that blood. There's power in that blood to deliver me, to set me free from things that put me in bondage. I'm not going to be a slave to sin any longer. I'm free in Jesus' name. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I boldly say it. And your word declares, Lord, that if I confess you and confess you as my Lord, that you save me. And I thank you that I'm saved in Jesus' name. Now just stretch out your hands towards them. Natalie, I just want to lay hands on you. Is that okay? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, We lay hands on Natalie. We thank you for the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing on the Word, the anointing in this place today. Father, she's confessed you as Lord and Savior. And, Father, we know, we know that that blood that cleansed her is also setting her free. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over every power of Satan. We bind every habit. We bind every circumstance. We bind, we, we bind the powers of darkness that would, that would confuse her mind and, and come against her mind in the name of Jesus. 
Father, we thank you right now that as we speak these words, devil, you're a liar. The Lord rebukes you, and you're rebuked in the name of Jesus. And you have lost this case because she is a new creature in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you. Now just lift your hands and thank God for that peace and that joy that's yours, Natalie. Amen. Just thank Him for it. Amen. Amen. Dave? Amen. You believe what you prayed? All right. I'm going to lay hands on you. Is that okay? Amen. You, you have struggles in your area, in the area of your life? or mm, Okay. Okay. God's going to help you with that too. Amen. Just lift up your hands to the Lord. Amen. Father, we just lay hands upon Dave. Thank you that you're moving in his heart and life today. This is a new day. This is the beginning of a new life. And, Father, we thank you right now that as we lay hands upon him, the power of Satan, the power of darkness, all habits of the flesh, everything that would hinder his walk with the Lord, it's bound, he's loosed in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you. We praise you. It's done. It's done. It's done in Jesus' name. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Uh, yeah, that's it. Just breathe in deep, Dave. Just breathe Just breathe in deep. Just breathe in deep. What you're doing, you're breathing in the presence of the Lord there that's taking care of some situations right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Victory is Dave's. Amen. Just say, Jesus, you're Lord. You're Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, give the Lord a hand and praise God. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. Take someone by the hand, would you? I want you just to pray for that person next to you. Let's pray and, and release our faith with that person. Release it. God, God's will would be defined. God's will would be defined. That there would be no question in the mind of an individual of what their assignment is and what God's called them for. That they'll be able to fulfill that call of God. Father, in Jesus' name, we just agree as we join hands together and we release the anointing of God throughout the body of believers here this morning. Father, we thank you that every one of us, everyone knows, everyone knows the assignment. You're going to reveal that assignment to us. You're going to reveal. And Lord, we're going to receive the anointing for that assignment to fulfill. Father, that when we come back to the house of God, every time we come to the house of God, your anointing is just going to permeate this place. It's going to be filled. This place will be filled with your anointing. Father, in your presence, in your spirit, as the assignments get clearly defined in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Well, turn to somebody and say, I am God's child. I'm going to do His will. <laughs>